In a world where magic is controlled by law and government, mages are both coddled and persecuted. Corey Monroe knows she isn't a mage, and her best friend is. Reality isn't always what you know. If you are looking for an urban fantasy with found family, an education-based magic system, and evolving storylines, try My Luck by Mel Todd, book one in the Twisted Luck series. Available exclusively on Amazon. Welcome to The Everyday Novelist. My name is J. Daniel Sawyer, author of nearly 30 books, more than 30 short stories, and numerous articles and scripts and essays, coming to you from up in the crow's nest with my spyglass on this daily voyage through the dicey waters of business, craft, learning, and art in the writing life. Welcome to The Questions, episode 1026. Today we hear from Nicole, who asks... I was wondering about copyright for short stories that become longer works. A favorite author of mine has the first part of her story in an anthology and the rest of it in a novel. I found it interesting that she didn't put them together in the novel. I was wondering about copyright in these situations, and perhaps that was why. Do you know how it works in situations like this? Well, it's all going to depend on the contract that the author signed. Now, a smart author who watches their contract will be licensing the anthology, the non-exclusive right to print the story for a particular window of time. It might be for the length of copyright, it might just be for a year, there might be an exclusive period for a few months or a year at the front end, and then it goes non-exclusive after that. But the smart author will not be selling the rights to the story just the right to publish the story under specific circumstances. So, assuming that the author that you know of is this sort of smart author who reads her contracts, then she should have been able to put the uh, two parts together in the one book. But there's a variety of reasons she might have chosen not to do that. For example... If the book stands well on its own, then having this other part that dovetails with the book hanging out there in an anthology is a good way to attract people to the book. Um, it's a way to get paid for advertising that book or the series that that book leads off. There's a whole bunch of different things that she may have been trying to accomplish by doing this. Or it may just not have been all that important to her. She may have had other priorities other than micromanaging the strategy of this particular title. If you're going to be a writer, or in the creative arts, you owe it to yourself to pick up a book by Stephen Fishman called... Uh, oh God, what's it called? The Copyright Handbook... Uh, by Stephen Fishman called The Copyright Handbook. It's available from Nolo Press. It is everything you need to know about how copyright works. And understanding copyright is fundamental to everything you're ever going to do as a writer who is publishing their work. Of course, it's not fundamental to storytelling, but it is incredibly important the moment you start selling your first story, 
because there are some writers who don't know copyright, who don't know contracts, who sign contracts that give the publisher who buys their first story the right of first refusal on anything they ever write, or even gives them the copyrights to anything they ever write. People have written some really sneaky, shitty contracts over the years, and it's not just in the music business or the film business that people have had their entire creative life taken from them for a song. This happens in publishing, too. You have to understand what it is you've got when you've got a copyright. Now, a lot of the copyrights you have will never make you any money. Part of that's going to be because you're not going to exploit them well. Part of that's going to be because the market isn't receptive to them. Part of it's going to be because they're, those stories aren't your priority. But, each story that you write is a treasure trove of potential licenses that you can sell. You can sell rights to the characters, you can sell gaming rights, you can sell adaptation rights to other media, you can sell spin-off rights, you can use them as the basis for an anthology, you can open up a shared world, you can do all sorts of things, anything you can think of that would create a derivative work or a secondary, tertiary, or quaternary publication based on something that you have thought up, created, and put into a fixed form, is something that you can sell, assuming you can find a buyer. Copyright, the way it's done, copyright is literally infinite. And it lasts a stupidly long time. It lasts a much longer time than I personally think is ethically defensible, but it's the game that we're playing in, and the rules of the game right now are any artwork that you create in a fixed form is yours, is a intellectual property, it's kind of like the analog equivalent of an NFT, and you control it for your life and for 70 years after you die. And that analog NFT can be sold, subdivided, sublicensed, spun off, or otherwise exploited commercially in any way that you see fit. But, notice, I said it can be sold. It can be sold. Forever. And when you sell it, as opposed to licensing it, you lose it. Forever. Unless you wind up buying it back. This is why, for example, Michael Jackson got to be so rich. He didn't get rich off his own music. He ironically got rich off of buying the music publishing catalog that contained all the music by a friend of his named Paul McCartney. And that ended the friendship, because Paul McCartney wanted to buy those back and couldn't afford it. Jackson had gotten a windfall and wanted to invest it. McCartney advised him to buy music publishing catalogs. Jackson bought the Beatles publishing catalog, and that ended their friendship. But that's how Michael Jackson made all his money. He didn't make it primarily off his music. He made it off because record contracts were terrible, and he owned and controlled very little of what he created. But he took what money he had, and he turned around, and he became the owner and controller of music that other people had created. These things can be sold around and pl like baseball cards. And they are. All the time.
So, you got to learn copyright. And it has some interesting tax implications, too. So, that's what's going on there. Thank you very much for the question, and we'll see you tomorrow. The Everyday Novelist is written by J. Daniel Sawyer and presented by J. Daniel Sawyer and Kitty McKeon and is produced by Artistic Whispers Productions Incorporated. The text is copyright 2021 J. Daniel Sawyer and the production is copyright 2021 Artistic Whispers Productions Incorporated. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License and all other rights are reserved to their respective owners. Join the conversation. Submit a question, leave a comment, or a creative death threat. Or find me at jdsawyeronminds.com or hit me at feedback at jdsawyer.net. We can't...